0: support the show that supports the scene patreon.com slash b-r-l-s-o-n it's pretty much a dollar a show plus I'll give you extra stuff, exclusive shows and content and there are levels to this game as well including a advertising package which is cheaper than our normal one so sign up and support the show that supports your scene patreon.com slash b-r-l-s-o-n The ground. BRL, son. Peace. This is Nelson dialect. You tuned into beach Beats, Rhymes, and Life. Well, this is BSB. You're listening to BRL. Yo, this is Ray. You're listening to BRL. What up is 360? Yeah, yeah. This is Nick Loopy from One Day Spit Syndicate. I'm Seth Century. You're on Beats, Rhymes, and Life, and I endorse this product. Bees family. This is El Fresh the
1: Lion on Beats, Rhymes, and Life. Stay tuned. This is where hip hop lives.
0: It is BRL the podcast, and we're sitting in a very special place, The Op Shop, a very different venue to where I normally am, which is my house being bothered by the dog, but uh, we're gonna be talking about early downside and uh, the connective tissue that it seems to be that is surrounding uh, yourself and the early days of the Perth hip hop scene, but we'll get you to say hello first up. So Optimus, welcome to the podcast. What up thanks for having me and thanks for uh, being in the op shop indeed so uh, let's let's talk about this early uh, time with downside in the first place because eponymous just turned 20 years old so um, is it is it wild to sort of go back into the memories now
1: yeah look I am um, I, I had an experience recently uh doing the podcast beers beats and beers shout outs to trav and ah, yes and the boys uh that was it was a really cathartic experience um mm. and it's the first time i'd probably delved deep into mem- you know memories and things that had happened during that time so yeah looking back um and and being able to recall those
0: things is is amazing it's an amazing experience as well absolutely so we'll 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 take it back to the the very beginning of uh those baby days of downside so uh let's go to the old 6025 in a Craigie, maybe a little padbury um and like the the photo that you posted on the instagram it just sort of like it, it screams that era for me and brings back a lot of memories for me personally so um even though i wasn't Around at that time, like if we're talking sort of mid to uh, mid nineties or whatever, I'm at Campbell or a primary still. So, um, take us take us back to like those days. Like, where did Baby Downside form? Yeah, look, Craigie High School is
1: a place that I have really fond memories of, uh, you know, and is where the band started. I think one of the things we don't think about are how many awesome artists can come out of one area. And, and you know, particularly at Craigie High, uh there was a lot of amazing artists that, uh, you know, were produced during that time. I think, you know, one of them being Greg Packer, who was a DJ
0: at our school. Um, wow. who went on to huge success. Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap. So that's one. Cause uh, it, it's, it's a joke that I've had for years. I'm like, the most famous people to come out of Craigie is like Downside and maybe me, <laughs> and then I forget that. Well, forget and up until about ten seconds ago, I didn't know that Greg Packer was also yeah. a Craigie High alumni. So um, yeah, he might also he might trump you guys a little bit because oh mate, Greg's a, a talented
1: producer and um, just gone on to do amazing things. Yeah, um, electrical
0: music, Doctor Packer.
1: Is really cool too. All the uh, new disco stuff he's mm. been doing is
0: awesome. Now we, we were just talking before, and we we're talking about the the um, the Craigie walls because uh, you were mentioning that's where Downside formed. Pretty much was in art class back yeah. at Craigie. So yeah, tell us the sort of connective tissue between uh, you, Downside, and the uh, famous Craigie graph balls. Well, Deej and I uh, and Shabazz all came up
1: with the concept of Downside and the name, etc. cetera. Um, and I think Deej and I were doing an art class. So shout-outs to Mrs. Burke. She's an amazing art teacher. And she could see that we're into hip-hop and into graph. We always had Subway Art open, mm. always um, the hype magazine, always getting, buying hype mm. magazines and looking at new pieces. So she brought in who went on to do amazing things as well, uh, Storm Boy. Stormboy, yeah, yeah. Stormboy and Bias, um, and Bias ended up doing the artwork for Bliss and Esso. So, oh, uh, so and both gone. And Bias is also in. Uh, so not Bias the rapper, Bias the grapher Right.
0: Yeah, is uh, amazing tattoo artist as well. It's uh, it's it's wild that that connective tissue all comes from those northern suburbs. It's it's a hotbed, really. Like as you said. Uh, you guys, and then I guess probably a little further north, um, you know, the, the guys from Clan, they're all like 07, 0, you know, 2 7 kind of lads, aren't they? They're like Heathridge and. Yep, that's right. Heathridge, Belden, Edgewood, all up that way. Mm.
1: Um, but Mortar wasn't from the north. Uh, so he- Graphic and Tomo. Mm. Um, and then the demo juice was with Graphic and Tomo, myself on Beats. Um, and then Mortar joined during that time yeah and i think he had a connection with Daz. so yeah it was working with Daz's dad from memory
0: yeah i think that 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 rings a bell i think that got brought up on uh the the uh wonderful two and a half hours of insane podcasts that me and morta
1: did (laughs) i'm sure it was insane Uh, you're with the mortamata uh
0: it was uh, we it ended with talk about demons and buttholes well there you go (laughs) What were you thinking it was going to be, buddy? <laughs> Such a what It's the weirdest conversation. I recommend anyone listening to this go and listen to that as well afterwards. But um, yeah, that's a that's a fun little connective tissue. So, wow, the Craigie Walls is ooh, you guys and Deej and that kind of. That's yeah. That's so the, wild. the
1: walls um, after the school shut down and eventually was demolished. Um, we had these two massive tennis courts, mm-hmm. and they're basically, you know, there was like a step drop down to the next one. They're huge, and when the you know high school became dilapidated and was yes. being knocked down, those walls basically became a public gallery. They did, um, and well later, I don't know if they were legalized. I think I can't remember whether they technically were, but mm-hmm. a lot of crew just used to rock up with stereos, and we did all the time.
0: Yeah, the school was closed in two thousand and three. Uh, the wall stayed up for ages after that. Yeah, and that's the, right. And the school itself wasn't actually completely levelled and turned into residential land for like a decade.
1: Yeah, a lot of those high schools end up being like little tapes or... Yeah, or, Pabri yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, that's right.
0: Another school I went to. <laughs> but
1: Where I grew up,
0: Pabri yeah, represent. Indeed.
1: 6025, book booka.
0: <laughs> By the way, um, it, Pabri has probably the... Best coffee shop in the well, northern suburbs, I, suburbs
1: now. I, I've always um, loved coming from that area and I do miss it, particularly in summer, being a bit more inland. Yes. Um, but obviously wanting to be close to the sea which is and close to the airport for the kind of work that I do in touring and stuff mm-hmm. um, and workshops as well. Yeah, But I do miss the sea breeze, at the end of the day or things like that. You know, just being able to head, just go down to the beach, go for a swim.
0: Yeah, uh, my my uh, my mum and her partner—they still live in the house I grew up in, in, in good old Craigie. So I'll, I'll get out there every so often, and the I'll castle. Tr- the, yeah, the good old castle, and um, and right behind. By the way, you'll you'll appreciate this. Right behind the old bowling uh, the bowling alley.
1: Yep. I've, so I've so spent, you know exactly
0: where that is. Yeah,
1: spent many many afternoons at the bowling alley. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was I playing? Double Dragon. Love oh, Double Dragon. Double Dragon. Um, what else was I playing? Bitter 360. Mm-hmm. Uh, what have
0: been Mortal Kombat about that time, correct? That would have been out. I remember that yeah, machine I'd, getting I'd, used. I
1: liked, I liked Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, for some reason, just love Double Dragon.
0: Mm. I forgot how to play NBA Jam. I went to one of those um, bar venues that do the uh, arcade games and, you know, bought a card and sat down you know, sat down and had a drink, and then got up and played a game at NBA Jam, and got absolutely railed by like Dallas, who were the worst team in that game. And I'm like, oh Jesus, what happened? <laughs> I used to, <laughs> I used to own in this game. I haven't played video games in a very long time, obviously. But
1: for for me now, like, I I'm, when I'm away touring, I'll often play games with the kids because it's a way to connect with them. Yeah. And if I'm in a hotel room, like, we'll go on. Um, on Roblox and and just go on different apps that we can kind of join in and then have have um you know have the phone on so we can you know a messenger or whatever so we can talk as well ah and so that but playing games at home is usually going to be me in the studio anytime that i would put to um spare time like that if it's not playing sport or you know getting about it's definitely that
0: yeah well i'm I'm looking at your setup right now uh, we're looking at a TV where we're, where we're recording right now so now you could abs yeah just have your your gaming system plugged in this is essentially an idea of what I want to do with my area you know just put up something there and every so often throw on some 2k if it's, I'm it's not um, feeling inspired
1: it's definitely uh man
0: cave as well as a studio for sure and, uh, it's I, I I love this room this is a great room because if we turn to well our left for everyone listening there's a essentially a shrine to perth hip-hop and of course uh the king robert hunter the g
1: peace my
0: brother uh and that i hate to bring this up but it's it's almost 10 years since we lost robert hunter that's right
1: yeah no that's okay man you can bring that up it's um part of remembering Hunter's legacy that we think of these times, you know, and think about him Mm. and make sure that he's, um, you know, the memories of who he was and and being just a a good
0: bloke as well as a talented uh, rapper. Now, I've shared this story a million times on this show, but I'll share it with you because I never have. The reason BRL became anything at all because seeing Pariah was me very early on. I had to earn it. Because I was, uh, admittedly, a mouthy little shit. (laughs) And I copped it, and I deserved it. you got to pay your dues. Anyway, the first person in the Perth hip-hop scene of any note that gave us a chance was Robert Hunter when he came in in 2003, nice and early on, or something like that. Yep. Him coming in on the show and essentially giving us time of day, which that's what it was all about, time of day. He was a great bloke like that. He's yeah, the reason...
1: percent was a great bloke like that. And, you know, mm. that's part of, um, I think, what I will always remember about Rob in terms of his support. And I think it's important that um, to have a united scene and, and, mm. and, and a, a supportive culture, you know, I think states and areas can get into heavy politics and politics can play into music um, Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think part of I suppose being from a remote city, perhaps. Yes. Um. You know, but for the most part, there's quite a big supportive scene, and um. You know, I think we've been a part of contributing to that, and particularly that SBX part of our legacy is Hunter. Um. You know, which is awesome to see that anything
0: like that. Um. You know, survive in his memory. One hundred percent. The 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 fact that that his effigy. He- is on the wall in Northbridge, on that TAFE wall. That says it all right there. It's a big piece, and it's... Huge. It's it's a massive piece. I, you know, I don't go see it enough. I went, actually, when I drove past the other day, I actually made sure to slow down a little bit, just to sort of give it a look and a bit of a nod of, like, thank you, Robert Hunter, because Absolutely. I owe you the show, wherever you are. Uh, yeah, so it's 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 really sort of it's a very special yeah. um
1: piece and it shows the importance grassroots of what uh Rob meant, you know, and for me, uh you know, losing your best friend mm. not even taking the hip hop out of it, uh to be in the city and walk there and sit quietly on a on a Saturday afternoon mm. and just gather my thoughts and think about who he was. Yes. And then go on my merry way like I've also been given that as part of what Elk's done. So big shout-outs to Elk. Uh, thank you, brother. That was amazing that you um, picked Rob to be that mural because it's yes. very, very special to the whole community. And he thought about that and rang Laura and spoke to all of us. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, and then told us he was going to do it as well, which you know I think brought a lot of joy um, to people that were going through some you know, really heavy grief.
0: It's it's the ultimate shrine to probably Perth hip hop's ultimate good bloke.
1: Yep, absolutely. I've always I did a bit of work for Central TAFE, and I did ask about them putting a plaque there because I feel uh, like it could be an educational thing for for people who would want to know their history, especially if it mm. you know it just has a couple of. Um, yeah, you know, info about who Rob was. Mm. Uh, I think would be really good because a lot of the TAFE staff used to ask me, you know, who yeah. works with me. And like who, in the music department, not so much. Yeah. But uh, you know, they they would be like, who, "Who's the guy in the building?" So, I, I uh, one part of me, I suppose, it's nice that there is an anonymity to it, and mm. you have to know the culture, know the, know yeah. the story. Yeah. Uh, who's so, this you know, I suppose Either hat. way. Yeah. <laughs> either way, it's beautiful. It's on the wall.
0: Oh, absolutely! Um, it's I. I think it's the one of the better editions of Perth art in general. I, I just I, I adore it. I think it's um, an amazing piece. It, it's just it, it's great. I I love every part of it. And um, yeah, like I've said a million times, I owe the entire show to Robert Hunter because awesome I, man. I probably would have gone away. Eventually, I would have taken taken whatever hint it was. And I probably wouldn't have brought it back after I had the uh, commercial radio thing in that time and came back for whatever reason. As I said a million times, that was a failure. But uh, (laughs) that's a a different story for a different day. Onwards and upwards. Uh, And trust me, there was. But um, let's let's go back to the... um, Let's go to Hyde Park. So... um, after high school, and I'm guessing Hunter was around for those days as well. At, uh, no, I
1: got to know Hunter um, in my late teens. I think maybe about nineteen. Oh, wow! Right. Uh, yep. Nineteen or twenty, I started seeing him at MC comps. So right. you know, I entered a lot of MC battles and won won a lot of comps, and mm. and you know, oh, but also it was just about. Meeting like-minded people more than yeah. anything else, and some of them were open mic, so not even there was it wasn't necessarily a battle. You yeah. just kind of get up and wax lyrical, uh, and I would see Hunter at a lot of those, and then Hyde Park is where we really came came together and were like, "Hey, man, I met Maddie B there, um, and you know Hunt and all of us just started hanging out."
0: It's it's the mecca. It's where it began. For the first scene is the Hyde Park Hotel.
1: Um, you know, absolutely yeah without a doubt and big shout out to my man nate nate dog who who, um, oh yes who started that well not the nate dog uh, we called him <laughs> as a as, a as a funny <laughs> yes nickname um but now nate was you know the guy that was who made the night up but also just very
0: supportive of everybody you know mm. it um it's it's a I was at the back end, is when I started to attend those shows. Uh, so I'd I'd miss those like the the heady days of like the the darkness. But it was it was just it was a dingy little inner city venue, and it smelled like smoke and it smelled like dead beer and blood and it it, it earned its <laughs> reputation. Uh- <laughs> it, it had
1: um sticky carpet during the day, yeah. but you know what? Like um I also Thought I it, love the place. Was, um, like, you know, for us, it was kind of magical. Like at the back, um, they had another room and there was some pretty famous gigs played at Ella Fitzgerald and um, a whole the Jazz Society used to hold a lot of gigs there. Oh, right. And we ended up doing, um, what was it? I think it was all city launch there. But um, mm. it was a really awesome venue as well. Mm. the front bar was obviously a lot smaller. Yes. And could pack people in and, you know, the whole punk Skate, live musicianship. Mm. It was very much um, a you know classic kind of lyricist lounge style um night. You know and, and awesome DJs as well. Heaps of mad mad turntablism going on. too. dudes juggling and scratching. And-
0: Mondays were a good night always. Mm. It was just it was always a good night of you know just a, a bunch of people in there. Mid mid 20s, maybe early, and you know, like a teenager like myself back then. Um, there, was, just, there was definitely some people
1: sneaking in because I think Draft has a story about sneaking into the high park um, <laughs> from memory. You mentioned
0: it in songs, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: which, yeah, I suppose is part of the history as well.
0: Absolutely. So um, th- that venue is so important to the, the Perth scene, and then they've completely redone the place. It's yeah. not. It's not what it was. No, well,
1: I suppose if I if I was the person when I found out they're going to basically knock down that back venue mm. where all you know Duke Ellington, Ella Fitzgerald, and, and so many greats had played. Yeah. Um, you know, I hope I. Ho- I th- Thought they might keep the whole thing and just revamp it. Yeah. Uh, but as w- happens with these conglomerates, is they come in and they don't read the culture and the beauty of the history of the pubs. Like yeah, I from all the years I've been touring, it's in the walls. I, lo- I love pubs, love going, love touring mm. and getting to know publicans and just and you get to know the culture of the, the history. Mm. Yeah, you know, I think that's what a local. Was and is, yes, uh, and unfortunately in that instance they you know they totally redid the front bar mm. um, and it kind of just lost its yeah lost its shine.
0: I haven't been I back. I haven't seen or looked at it since, but basically once I heard that they were changing the Hyde Park and some conglomerate was buying it up yeah. and you know and whatever I I just thought, well, I'm never going to that venue again because it won't it's in the same spot but it's not hallowed ground because you've now pulled all of that beer, cigarette smoke and sound and probably, in in a way, joy. In the end,
1: uh, I have... Think it, what the Bernard do that is probably just appeal to a different demographic. Yeah, and they becomes more about food and and, and drink. And I, I can respect that. It's just a shame that I think we lose some really good venues in Perth over the years because of noise complaints and things Rose like that. where they just kind of you know, um, I, I suppose don't want to use the live music as
0: part of how their um, you know bar can generate money. Mm. Now. Um, eponymous album recording so you guys have all met you've formed um now you and shabazz you and shabazz pretty much are handling most of the vocal stuff um on eponymous there is some daz elements yeah in there but it is pretty much you two that's right Daz joined the band of the crew as a producer yeah
1: um, and then fell in love with the writing lyrics and and just as soon as he got on the mic, as soon as I heard him, I was like, dude, <laughs> yeah, no, it's <laughs> and, like and it's kind of like you dope producer and you dope rapper. All right, I oh, knew we got you... to like and he can we, drum. He's he's the silent <laughs> assassin. You know, he's just such a talented guy. Um, but you know that that obviously that because of that dynamic of having three rappers. Mm. It, it meant we could be more productive yep. in, in that space as well. That was towards the end of Epinonymous. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the, the tracks were written because Daz and I were doing TAFE together. That's how we met. Oh, right. And we met at the music industry course where I ah, ended up right, doing right. some lecturing um, Ableton stuff later on. Yeah, so that we met there and then that's kind of where we started doing production on the album. Uh, I think it started at Daz's house us just um throwing stuff around but he the the probably the song that really put him on the map in terms of writing music was mike masters Mm. like and that was a really amazing song it was just him and um hunts going back and forth uh and i always loved that song when i was thinking about what the standout songs were for this album yeah um that came to mind straight away you know
0: and that's probably uh the birthplace of dundee l it is the birthplace. It pretty much
1: is a Dundee L song. It, it, yeah. You're exactly right. I've never actually thought about that. So that's a
0: really good point, Gav. Thank you. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> underlining that in red. <laughs> birthplace of Dundee Um Another anniversary, which at probably at some stage, mm. I'm going to have to celebrate that one too. Absolutely. Well,
1: you, know, you now come, we're now coming into that time where... Yeah. Uh, you know,
0: 2002 that dropped that yeah. Dundee Elf.
1: Yeah, and and you know, I, I suppose looking at that um, boom of Australian hip hop during that time, uh, you know, that's that was kind of where that little roller coaster started, you know.
0: Now, contemporaries of that time, there was you, there was Clan, there was Matty B, um, and then um, also Kid Tsunami. Kids, oh, so Kids, so was he releasing around that time as well, or was he around? No, he was recording and we were all hanging out running. Uh,
1: well, when I say we, it was basically Army and Hunter yep. running Heritage FM. And a lot of us used to go and hang down there, but also all of those guys were, again, all goes back to Hyde Park. Yeah. We all met at um, Hyde Park. Yeah.
0: Fun fact is uh, the Perth home of the radio show is now Heritage.
1: There
0: you go. Yeah, uh, we ended up moving there and then I found out, well, r- remembered later on. I was like, oh, holy shit. The, you, okay, you haven't had a show for 20 years, but like Perth hip-hop radio history, at least n- not the earliest shows. because I think Radio Frio succeeds that by a few years or something like yeah,
1: that. Like, in terms of hip-hop shows? Yeah,
0: as opposed to hip-hop shows. There was one there, on there, Frio.
1: Okay. Um, there, no, there's been right there's quite a long history of hip-hop shows Mm. um that go you know quite far back Mm. Uh, i'm sure
0: rtr as well go way back as well
1: yeah yeah that's right yeah um but and i suppose it's cool to carry on that what you're doing carrying it on
0: it just it ended up going there It was just one it was 15 minutes where i was living at the time and two things went awful at twin cities
1: yeah well it it was funny during that um period when we Started all coming down to Heritage, Heritage FM ninety three point seven back then too. Well, yeah, it was. Um, they had a, a accidentally large antenna, so they could transmit. I like, was later found out. I think they actually had to scale back it's, uh-huh. it. Could, we would get calls from down south, um, <laughs> what? from Dunsborough and places like that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then also far north. So like, because I was living in the north. Mm. Um. And, you know, people knew about that show. It was yeah. a really popular late night show, um, you know, for, for uh, you know, a community radio uh, show. We had a lot of people calling back. Mm. And it would even do kind of callers on air and just hold hold the phone <laughs> oh, wow. up. To the, so yeah, we, were, we were, yeah, and then a lot of our shows got promoted through that. Mm. So when we bought Hilltop Hoods out for the first time, which when I again when I say we, I mean Army and his mum. Oh, so and that. I, oh, I, that's I, nuts. From memory, that is the first interstate show the Hoods did, as far as I know.
0: So, would that have been, like, back once again?
1: Uh, yeah, that's right. I've got their album at Dada's. And wow. I actually used some samples off that on Epinonymous. So, you're, you're, you're so right, fake. That's right, you did. Yeah. The track we did with Jay Maxwell and ch- uh, shout-outs to Jay Maxwell as well um, and Kidzoo, you know, that, that was an awesome track as well. I love that song.
0: Actually, it's um, it's it's fun to think of, like, uh, and... Uh, me and you both know probably who that's about. <laughs> Back in the day, because we, I think we both had problems uh, in that regard. But oh, I don't, I don't talk ill of anyone. No, <laughs> but you know, and uh, it's long over that kind of thing. But it's, 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 it's a, it's a great little track. And actually, what I love is the uh, the little coda as well, where you guys um, basically sort of uh, grab a uh, Destiny's Child hook as well.
1: Yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> we did that. Because Maddie B had just started hanging out with us as well. Yes. Um, and yeah, we wrote all that stuff together. And that was hanging out at Army's house.
0: Oh, ah, yeah. I love that. Yeah. I-, I love the fact that it's Army and his mum that brought out the hoods. Yeah. Well, his mum was, and Karen's an amazing person,
1: um, was always really supportive of all of us hanging out and mm. writing music. And she loved it. She'd come and pop her head in and be like, What are you guys doing? Mm. And I, I'm pretty sure he would have showed her the Destiny's Child.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> it's 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 great though, and um, yeah. You're so, so lame, you're so lame. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no one is around. You just know that we doubt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it, it's a fun listen, and um, it, it's not streaming at the moment because it was not iTunes for a couple of years. Um, it's I haven't seen it for a I, while. I did not know this,
1: which is it's, I thought it was up. So um, I
0: I it, it's been down for a while.
1: Right, yeah. and it was on iTunes.
0: It was on iTunes. It was on Apple Music. Right. Yes. Yeah, for for a little bit. So I don't know. I guess it, it would have had to be one of you to put it up.
1: Uh, no, we it, that would have been done through our uh, distro label. Oh, right. And yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it with me. <laughs> I'll get that album up.
0: Yeah, because I think people need to hear it again. Yeah, um, that's right. Because it is, it's the really, it's the genesis of the modern Perth hip hop scene. It is is yeah. you guys and that record. Um, you know, it sounds like I'm <laughs> at the moment, but <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, it's it's accurate. There's there's er, there's everything before, and once again, we well I, we mentioned on a take one of this uh, that um, there there was. A Perth hip hop scene, but it was more, uh, it was more a lot of graph and breaking and that's sort of uh, the eighties and nineties. A lot of,
1: um, a lot of um, really talented lyricists, uh, and you know I think what we did in our generation was able to bring it to a bigger stage. And yes, just get out there and tour harder and and do things like that. But um, you know I grew up listening to a lot of those guys. Um, particularly, uh, we used to go into Dada's and get the demo tapes. And, oh, right. It was like a local hip hop section. So, and that, that's where it was at. That's what the scene was at. You put out tapes, you recorded them. Uh, and that's definitely showing our age, analog, mm. analog, she's knit. But, um, you know, I remember a group called MPC, mm. Non Playing Characters, uh, which was I thought was a really good name for their crew as well. And uh, it was one Scottish dude and one Aussie dude. Oh, right. And they both rapped in their you know, in their natural voices and obviously producing beats as well. Uh, And we loved it. Mm. Like all my crew back then, we had a a shed up in ocean reef we used to hang out in. And um, my mate Phil, Ill Phil, who was in Downside for a while. Oh, right. And we all used to hang out there and we'd just play those tapes to death. There was another guy called Skank who... um, Skank 1. Army ended up producing on Culture Kings 1. Yes. And we were all very influenced by his style. Mm. And if you listen to it, you can hear um like pro- probably the influence because a part of that was just being able to be inspired by someone local and it's more hearing those voices because there was no uh you know unless you went and saw some of the old tool guys live mm. there wasn't a lot you could find you know
0: and uh, that is that is a question like you mentioning the whole accent thing um And you guys spitting in the natural accent, which um, of course back then, of course, became a thing because some people would spit with an American accent because that's what they heard.
1: Really, um, for some people, it became quite polarizing. Yes, and there was a a definite line in the sand, which really you could kind of associate with like club hop and pub hop. Yes, and that's kind of how we saw it as well, you know. And then a lot of people sat in the middle, uh, and you know, for for the most part. Um, I think it was a shame that people thought of that or that you know, many of us did for a period of time because uh, you, know, you grow to understand that mm. all voices and all creative forms of using your voice yes. are completely up to the individual and everyone has a style that just feels good. And you know, if you think about singing, people are always using um, you know, stylized voices mm. and accents and pronunciations because um, they're looking for the best sound.
0: Yes. Uh, So, yeah, that puts that debate to dead pretty much straight away. Look, know know your truth. If your truth is spinning in an accent, or if it's not spinning in an accent, or if it's uh, a sort of amalgamation of a bit of both, um, because it, it might be the case of, like, if you're from Southeast Asia, a lot of... Um, folks from around there will learn English, but from like American TV yes, and they stuff. they have
1: American vows and. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think the biggest comparison uh, and the way that I totally got the bigger picture uh, was thinking about country and Western. So if you think about country and Western, you've got, you know, your Hey True Blue. Yeah. For John Williamson. <laughs> John Williamson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you've got you know, your kernigans and your... Oh, that's right. So, and they have really quite obvious pronounced Deep South accents. Yes. Uh, so, you know, to me, that's kind of... was learning the style that suits you. And I suppose lyricism comes in different forms. For mm. me, it was a connection to poetry. And, and so it was an extension of my my talking voice. So I was looking for natural elements that I could rap in. Uh, and, you know, I think that was everyone has unique voices and it. it's learning how to use that as a tool you know
0: so in that regard as well like as you said Skank 1 is an influence of that kind because uh, he's maybe even that bridging sort of era between yeah that, the, the, the 80s, 90s kind of thing and then um, the downside SBX era and the era that I come from as well as you of course um, but like I think we sort of i think it was online or something, and it was for the top twenty countdown, whatever we were talking about at the time, and you mentioned deaf wish cast yes, and so did stuff like that as well sort of get into you as well like did you get to oh, hear Bias speeded yeah wish
1: hundred percent um you know deaf wish cast particularly uh because of our connection with graph mm. uh you know, and we we were good friends with Dash and other amazing artists from Perth, Chime, mm. Task. There's, you know, so many I could name. Um, you know, so a lot of the early hip, hip-hop came through that as well. Hearing the Deaf Wishcast cast album was, you know, a, a game-changer because they were doing it on a level that was like, um, fuck you, this is what we're about. You know, this this is take no prisoners, real...
0: Australian hip hop. It holds up too. Yeah. That album holds up. Yeah I'm, so I'm, well. I'm
1: very I'm I'm really good mates with Unique, with Sir Rec. Yep. And um, as I've said in a couple of interviews before, he uh, was very welcoming to us when we came to Sydney mm. and Dash plugged us in with him and he yeah, it was amazing. And I I, I think, you know, those sort of connections are lifelong. But also Death Wish across the board, they're you know, one of the most important um, early groups in Australian hip hop, you know, if not the one,
0: I think so. And and when you think, well, it's also just like anything around them, like Sound Unlimited and those kind of crews as well. Like everything around that Sydney scene at the time, yeah, was yeah, that's super influential. And if you do your research, you actually find out that they had chart hits. Like, Sound Unlimited had a, a couple of chart hits.
1: Yeah, I think um, when you're talking about Sydney hip-hop, it has a really long history. Mm. And there's no surprise that it's come back even stronger in this new era Yes, of, of um, you know, artists not just from western suburbs or not uh, necessarily about the same kind of styles. There's many different styles in Sydney. But I mm. think what's amazing is just how impactful they are, like 1-4 and they, these groups are just, you know, and also speaking from a culturally diverse voice and that's what Downside was always about. 100%. You know, it still is, you know. I, I think that's sometimes the issue um, and did happen during, you know, periods of Australian hip-hop's growth is, that, mm. you know, for me, it's synonymous hip-hop with being Someone that is very aware and mm. very woke when it comes to race and culture, and if you know, particularly um, if you're a Palangi, if you're a white fella, you know you should understand that even more so. You know, and yes. I think um, I think that our culture has come a long way, and there's now a way more diverse voice on stage yes. and on records in Australia. So when people ask me and say, "Oh, you know, there's more of this new style and that new style," I'm like, you know what? Fucking all of it should happen. And there's people doing amazing shit. Um, Obviously, you know, people like Kid Leroy are taking it to even greater heights than anyone has. Um, You know, and I take my hat off to that. You know, love it or hate it, I think, um, you know, there's always going to be an evolving sound that comes out of genres that survive and stay relevant. One of the amazing things about hip-hop culture is that it's stayed relevant you know, stayed super relevant and that's why we still do great Spotify numbers. You know, F- Fortune and Fame's about to hit three milli. What? And, you know, three million streams Whoa. In, in my grassroots world. Yes. Obviously, I know there's like a lot bigger numbers than that. Yes. And including draft and many others done but for for us, you know, we're super proud of that that's- and, um, and you know, that's pretty cool. It brings a, a good income in, uh, you know, to like a, a little reminder that helps you get through the, you know, the year uh, which is, it's beautiful, and it's a great song. I'm really proud of that song,
0: you know. I was uh, watching the video for that the other day, actually. it's on, I put it on a little YouTube uh, list of that video, and I was like, oh, you know, I, was, I remember that playing on Channel V back yeah. in the day and getting really excited. I'm just like, ah, oh, there's Scotty! Yeah. <laughs> there they are, there's the boys! Uh, no, that was super exciting, man. And uh, I get jacked you know, to see that stuff all the yeah, time.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, that clip particularly... Which was directed by Penguin Empire. Um, and Penguin Empire and, and Grant, particularly, uh, has gone on to do amazing things in Hollywood. Mm. Yeah. He's right. Do some really amazing things. Yeah.
0: And then, you know, the your Speed of Life is a follow up video, which actually, up until um, that YouTube dive that I had the other week, um, I hadn't actually ever seen that video because I don't, it was just YouTube wasn't yeah. like a massive. Thing and I think well, all oh city was 08 so yeah, it was That's just right. starting, something like yeah. that. But yeah, but yeah, there yeah, there it is, and uh, yeah, it's it's good times. But uh, legacy wise for for this record, um, it's the debut for you guys. Um, as as I mentioned as well, uh, currently not streaming. Probably will be <laughs> within a, a week or so of this conversation. I'm make that happen. <laughs> but um, it, I haven't checked Spotify. So, um, but if it's off iTunes, then it's probably off both. Yeah. But um, it, it's it's legacy is. I would probably, say, especially with a certain generation, it's an assured legacy. But um, I guess maybe. Uh, some newer crew that might be listening to this might think that Land of the Giants was the first thing, um, which also it's, it's probably my favourite record of yours, yeah, Land of the Giants. Yeah, awesome, man. Awesome. But um, it's... Yeah, people, whatever
1: album they hear um, is, is their starting point. Mm. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Well, I I, I think um, we were fortunate in that each album were allowed, able to experiment a bit more and just... Um, you know, be quite supported as well and we're lucky to have um, a big fan base and still do, you know, and that's that's part, uh, part of what I'm thankful of as a 40-year-old rapper is the fact that um, I can still tour and, you know, we still had the opportunity to get out and play awesome festivals and shows and just be a part of it. You yes. Know, I, I still really love live performance, and Mm. I still really love being in the studio. That's why I'm writing and collaborating on lots of other projects, you know, um, like guys like Fluent, who I've been working on um, together as a team since, uh, you know, his first couple of songs. Mm. And I I love being that, kind of sitting in that chair as well, sitting in the Dr. Dre chair, Mm. artist development, you know, creating songs and discovering new talent. So, you know, I, I feel very... I don't know if the term's blessed, but I feel very lucky to um, still be able to do the work that I do, you know.
0: Absolutely. So uh, it, it's it's one of those things that has, once again, it's a, it's a legacy record. And uh, now that I've mentioned it, it will probably be up on streams real soon. So I'll, I'll put the link up on the BRL page when it's available again as well. Yes. So people can go and listen to it in full. But um, Optimus, this uh, has been a pleasure to chat to you. Thank in your you. own studio with all this uh,
1: cool stuff around me. Thank you for having me. Hey, we'll take a few photos, maybe do a little mini video. You guys can have a look. Ooh, and see. yes,
0: indeed. So we'll do that. Uh, but uh, Optimus, thank you very much for joining us on BRL.
1: Dropping EDM, hip hop, and a bunch of best beats programs around. If you want bangers, you'll be in the right place with Tune One. Tune1.com.au. That's Tune, the number one.com.au. Tune One, proud show sponsor.